Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, it's Mark Striegel. Before we get into the episode, I just want to let you know we got a great guest, Charlie Bonnet III. You got to hear this guy's story. You got to hear his music. I encourage you to stay tuned for that. But first off, the people who make this show possible are patrons of Patreon. Please join me there for uh, a pledge, a monthly pledge, and help me do this show, guys. People like Steve Hoker, Mike Jones, Dan Gurwan, Emma Clayton, Metal Dan, Jerry from Long Island, Steven Saylor, Brad Dahl, Patrick Schwartzman, Joe, Fred Rutz, Sam Soupy, Drake, Matt Carroll, Jay Vaninsky, Jason Seth. Jason, I'm going to get your, your tune on this episode, so stay tuned for that. Jean-Francois Blas, Ron Keel, James Bennett, Sean Morgan, Mr. David Esgray, Michael Street, Richard Land- Langridge, Victor is always helping me out with Patreon, Miles Atwood, Anthony Mackey, Jonathan Turner, John Boivari, and of course, my old friend who I've known for decades, Ralph Petrie. Guys, thanks for making this happen. And just so you guys know, I just posted an Enough's Enough video today, June 5th. It is available for you guys only to watch on Patreon. Uh, it'll go public in a day or two, but you guys get the exclusive on that. It's my interview with Chips Enough conducted at the M3 Festival. So there you go. Check it out today on YouTube.com slash no, that's not. That's wrong. Check it out today on Patreon. It'll be on YouTube.com in a slash Talking Metal in a day or two. Ugh. All right. There you go. Let's get into the episode. Black Label presents Heavy Montreal, the heaviest festival in Canada. Back for a 10th edition. Two days of rock and metal. July 27th and 28th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau. Witness Slayer perform their last show in Quebec ever. Performances by Ghost, Godsmack, Evanescence, Slash, Anthrax, Steel Panther, Kill Switch Engage, and many more. 40 bands playing four stages on a festival site that you have to see to believe. Festival passes are on sale now. Visit heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avanco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. 
On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
an old classic there by the band Samson. Now, that is Bruce Dickinson's band before he was in Iron Maiden. The song right there that we heard, Vice Versa, live at Reading from 1981. I always loved that tune. I'm not an expert on Samson. I, I've tried to get into him, and there's a handful of songs I think are, are, are good and Maybe one or two, including that one, which I think are awesome. Vice Versa by Samson, Bruce Dickinson's band, before Iron Maiden, recorded live in 1981. Yeah, man. So let's get into right now the gods here on Talking Metal. Every night we go crazy and we know we're killing ourselves. 
but it feels so good. They tried to tell us that rock and roll was dead, but God's rock and roll ain't dead. Rock and roll's why we're all here. Rock and roll's why we got long hair and get high. Rock and roll's why we dress the way we do. Rock and roll's why we move the way we do. Rock and roll has turned us into something that they can't stand, but rock and roll has created us. Rock and roll has made us machines. We can't see straight. We can't think straight. We can't hear straight. Can't feel nothing, got no heart or soul. But we're gods. And someday there'll be thousands of us. Thousands of gods, thousands of machines. More of us than there is of them. They can't stop the God's rock and roll machine. Stop the machine. Machine, machine. The gods are rock and roll machines. The gods are rock and roll machines. No hearts, but at least we're machines. The gods are rock and roll machines. Running by the gods, G-O-D-Z, the gods, and rest in peace, Eric Moore, who was handling the bass on that. He did a lot of the vocals, so yeah, good, uh, good stuff. The gods, 
And we're going to hear a little bit more about the gods during our interview with Charlie Bonnet III. So stay tuned for that. That tune going way back to 1978 there. So, yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. So let's do this. Let's uh, let's hit our interview with Charlie Bonnet III. Let's hit some disarray to take us in. This is, of course, featuring Charlie Bonnet III, the guy we're going to talk to in just a few minutes. This is the title track off the Edge of My Demise album here on Talking Metal.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast. And for the first time ever, we have a guy who has had just an amazing career. Really, really incredible career. And I'm so glad to talk with him because I got to see him play live for the first time recently in New Jersey. And his set just blew my mind. Charlie Bonnet III, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing great, brother. I, I couldn't have said it worse than that. I, I don't know about a career, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the best that I can playing rock and roll. It's good to talk to you today, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate you taking some time out to speak with me before you head out to uh, Rocklahoma, which sounds like it's going to be just a great, great show as it is every year. And let's, uh, let's get into your career and everything. But I just wanted to take a moment at the beginning of the interview here to give you my condolences on on eric moore of of the gods he he passed away recently and i I know you were friendly with him and did some playing with him and i was wondering if you could just take a minute or two to talk a little bit about him for maybe some of the listeners who are unfamiliar with who he who he was yeah so eric moore he's the front man for the gods they're out of ohio and in the 70s they were on casablanca records with kiss and uh, they're kind of like a biker rock band, really iconic in the Midwest. And I became friends with their manager, a guy named John Gard, a few years ago. He started coming to our shows when we'd come through the Midwest. And he hooked me up with Eric, and we became friends mainly over the Internet. And that's really it. You know, he asked me to play on his solo record that he was working on at the time when he got real bad sick with cancer. and. I was fortunate enough to do a solo on a track, and I don't know, it just sucks, man. Father time wins, you know, every time, so it is what it is, but he's uh, definitely going to be a missed character in rock and roll. Absolutely, absolutely, and thanks for for sharing a little bit about him with the with with the listeners, and thank you for sharing a great set. I saw you guys recently. Uh-huh at Dingbats, one of my local hangs here in New Jersey, and you were playing opening up for Enough's Enough, and wow, what a night that was, man, and just, re- you really destroyed it there, and and did you uh, do a lot of shows with Enough's Enough, or was that just a one-off, or were you on tour with them? Yeah, what was We did a four-show tour with them, that was actually the first time that we had done any gigs with those guys, was that run. What it is, is the last studio record I did I was working with Tracy Guns from L.A. Guns on it, and his manager also manages Enough's Enough. So anytime they need a band to provide backline and and kind of go out on the road as a support act, you know, they give me a call, you know. So we've we've worked with several of Scotty Ludwig is his name, the manager. Scotty's band, he manages Junkyard. We did shows with Junkyard, L.A. Guns, and then, of course, enough's enough when I met you. So Right on, right on. And you're talking about, of course, the, the great, I guess it's an EP, right? Sinner with a song that you yeah. worked on with, with Tracy Guns. And it is a great listen. And I want to come back and talk about that record. But first, I want to go back. I want to go way back. And was really kind of just touched by your story as I kind of researched you before the interview. And also just amazed at how diverse musically you are because it really seems like you've gone so many different places musically and so let's let's go back to your upbringing when you were a kid what kind of music were you 
exposed to? Was it a lot of different kinds of music? Was it were you more just into the rock? What was your your childhood like musically? Well, we moved to Tennessee from California when I was five years old, and everything here is really slow compared to the rest of the world. So, I mean, I heard rock music, but it was mainly country music I was hearing. But when when I got to be, I don't know, about 12 years old or so, it's around the time that the 87 White Snake record came out and Appetite for Destruction and all that. Right. That, that kind of music just really spoke to me. You know, I kind of would escape in music. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but in Tennessee, it just kind of seemed kind of hopeless. You know, it's just so small town very rural and you know we would just as kids me and my friends we would just dream of these bands that we'd see in metal edge magazine and hollywood and stuff just seemed like the promised land or something like right a, on. Right on. a way to escape so basically all of the 80s rock that was coming out i couldn't get enough of it you know i, I discovered columbia house tape club and oh yeah it was on from then pretty much Right so on. That's, that's really my introduction is mid-80s hard rock. You know, my first concert was the Cinderella Long Cold Winter Tour. Nice. You know, with Winger and the Bullet Boys opening up, and that's actually the show that made me want to become a guitar player. Wow. So that's really the Cliff's, Cliff Notes version of that. Right. And you start playing at what age? About 12-ish or early? Yeah, I mean... I started messing around probably around 11 or 12. My daddy showed me some basic chords, but what happened was there was a neighbor kid who had like a Fender, like a real cheap Fender electric guitar and a little PV amp, and he was a couple years older than me, and I just thought this dude was the coolest ever because at that point I'd never even touched an electric guitar. So once he had one, I had to have one too. <laughs> it's kind of how that worked. Right on. And at some point, you pretty early on, right? You 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 form what I would call an all-out metal band, Disarray, right? And yeah, what was that like ninety ninety four? We started in September of ninety three. I was right before my eighteenth birthday, and it was basically teenage kids that worship Metallica, and you know the first couple Pantera albums were real big, you know, and. We weren't good at singing, and we probably weren't real good at playing, but, but we were trying, you know. It was kind of like a corrosion of conformity meets early Metallica kind of sound, and that's where we cut our teeth, you know. We are just little rebellious kids that didn't have much musicality to us, but we had a lot of aggression to let out, and that became Disarray. We did five records. And a couple of them, we had some pretty big success. Dave Brocky from the band Guar, he produced our fourth record, and we went out on tour with Guar for like five weeks in 2002. And then the last record we did, Gary Meskill from the band Propane produced. And that we, was we Edge of My Demise, right? That's correct. Yeah, he was uh, Great record. One, one of my heroes, you know, one of my hardcore heroes, and... I met him back in the 90s, and we just stayed in touch, and I needed a producer, and he volunteered. So, you know, we had a 
brush with success on an underground level. You know, we were reviewed in Metal Maniacs magazine and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we did shows with Biohazard and Overkill and a lot of these heavier bands. And, you know, it was fun. But once I got to the, I don't know, 26, 27-year mark in my life, you know, I filed bankruptcy and I just... Had a had a bad little run, you know, personally, and so I had to reinvent myself, which is what led to what I do now. Right on, right on. So, just to recap, but you guys, as a band, I mean, you guys were around for well over a decade, right? I mean, we're talking yeah. '93 to like what 2000. What was the last record? Yeah. 2007. Yeah, actively, we recorded that a few years like earlier, but it properly came out in 2009 okay so by that by that point in time we weren't really actively touring you know we do a little weekend show locally or whatever but it ran out of steam in the mid 2000s we, we never broke up we just kind of went on a hiatus but right the funny thing is is the bass player that you saw us with at enough's enough his name is vance wright he is actually playing Rocklahoma with me too, and he's the bass player in Disarray on those last two albums. Oh, okay. So you're technically seeing Disarray, but just not playing Disarray songs. <laughs> right on, right on. So you go from from Disarray, which was to me very straight ahead metal, some little some hardcore influence there too. Right. You go from that, and you basically. You walk. You mentioned some some personal issues, the bankruptcy and stuff. You you basically put all that aside, and you are in the bars at this point with an acoustic, more of a singer songwriter vibe, right? And how how was that transition? And can you talk a little bit about transi- transitioning from being in like a, a metal band to a guy with his acoustic guitar? Yeah, what there was in Nashville. Around 2004, 2005, they used to have this thing called Nashville Rock Stripped. And what they would do, they would just do unplugged shows with all the rock bands, you know. It's pretty cut and dry. But they asked me to do it, and I thought, man, I don't, I don't even know what I would do with that. But I couldn't really make any disarray music fit for that. But I started thumbing around on an acoustic, and one thing led to another because of that show. And then, you know, I started going to these singer-songwriter things, and I really got an interest in it, you know. And before long, I, I figured out that I had a one-octave vocal range, <laughs> and I could kind of sing, you know, roots rock music. And I started getting gigs, and then they started paying money, and then it just started snowballing, you know, and it was very low maintenance and low overhead, you know, it's me and an acoustic. And before you know it, I was doing it kind of full time, you know, right on. And it, it beat working at a factory. So that was like the genesis of all that right there. And, you know, it, it led to me kind of doing what I do now, which is writing more of a Southern rock three chord kind of thing, but still with a, heavier rock aggression when we play it live you know it's, right it's not totally abandoning what i did as a younger person but i guess it's just growing up you know and broadening the horizons a little bit right on and then in i guess it's right around 2010 
you experiment a little bit with what I would call, because I was listening to some of it, t- tell us a little bit about it, a unique hip-hop type of sound. Hey. Well, this is where the story gets really crazy. I had this girlfriend, not not really a girlfriend. It was a friend of mine. That's a girl. I'll just say that. And right. uh, she called me one day, and she's like, hey, Charlie, you want to make some money in the studio? And I said, absolutely. What kind of music? She says, well, it's rap music. I'm like, it's what? She says, it's rap. And I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. You know, my fans, what few fans I had at the time, they were already about to crucify me for abandoning Disarray to go play on an acoustic guitar. But she kept calling back, kept calling back. She's like, you know, this guy, he's got a big buzz and he's wanting like a southern rock guitar with like some southern rock singing you know like a leonard skinner type vocal so i thought you know what i'm gonna go check it out and that guy was a fellow named big smo and he wound up on warner brothers records for about two or three albums and he had a tv show on a and e television and man i had the most fun with that dude yeah. you know it was like a a complete change of pace for what i was doing and I didn't really have to be like the band leader with all the pressure that comes with, you know, trying to handle the business or whatever. And I was just a hired gun playing guitar and singing. And it was really fun. And we, uh, we did it close to two years, two CDs. And then he had a manager out of Hollywood that didn't like me. He thought I was too old for the gig. Oh. <laughs> and I got fired from the gig pretty much. So, but it was, it definitely broadened my horizons, and I'm glad I did it because, you know, it opened up a lot of doors that I still walk through to this day. You know, we had a song in a Chevrolet commercial and a lot of bigger things like that, and I met a lot of people, and it was a definite learning experience, but way more commercial than anything I've ever done. I, I definitely don't rap. You know, <laughs> had you been a fan of the the hip hop or rap genre? Like how uh, how aware I, are you of it when you joined? That was I had no idea about any of that. In fact, it was really weird because the same people, same type of people that used to beat me up when I was a kid. I mean, that was our fans, <laughs> right, know, just, right? Just the real redneck type crowd, and we'd play a lot of. ATV parks and kind of non-traditional venues, you know, a lot of fairs and festivals and stuff and things that I wasn't able to play definitely with an acoustic guitar or with disarray, you know, it was, it was way more mainstream, but I'm glad I did it. It opened a lot of doors. This puts us what, about like 2012-ish? Yeah, I, I was with him. 2010 to probably the close to the end of 2011. Okay, cool. And then, then can you talk a bit about what happens for your uh, your music at this point? What, what? Okay, so the manager comes into play for Smo and basically cleans house and gets some cheaper musicians, you know, and he runs off and gets the Warner Brothers deal and becomes pretty famous in that circuit. And uh, me and another guy that was in his band, we went and formed an offshoot of that. It was a band called Moccasin Creek, right which we've we've uh, fallen out of favor with each other since then. But we did, we did, did about three, three albums. albums, though, yeah. 
Yeah, three albums, and that's actually how I met Tracy Guns was through that, because at the end of the third record, we were trying to spice it up with some, you know, star power or whatever, some guest appearances, and I had this friend in Nashville named Jake Brown, and Jake does these tribute albums that you used to see in all the stores, you know, a tribute to Kiss featuring, you know, right, yeah. Those kind of things. So I called Jacob, and uh, he got Bruce Kulick from Kiss to play on a track with us, and he got Tracy Guns to play on a track with us. And so Tracy was one of my childhood heroes as a kid, and I was like really tripping out to work with this guy in any any capacity. I mean, even though it was just over the internet, just the fact that he did a solo on one of the songs that I sang on was kind of mind-boggling to me so tracy came to memphis with his solo band probably about 2013 2013 and uh i went to see him i met him face to face and you know introduced myself gave him some music and we just became buddies after that so It all became because of a rap song. <laughs> right, on, right on. So Moccasin <laughs> Creek, you guys, you guys break up, what, about 2014? Yeah, it was the end of 2014. And it, it got nasty. I can't say a lot because there was a lawsuit involved. Okay. You know, with the non-disclosure kind of clause in that or whatnot. But, yeah, it got really nasty. And uh, that guy still plays as Moccasin Creek, and that's oh, cool. Okay. And I just do my own thing, you know, now. So Yeah, and so you, you for the first time in your career at this point, you start putting out albums and releasing songs under your own name. That's correct. And how was that transition for you to go from somebody who's always for the most part been under a band name to using your own name and you know. Well, you know, I I've always been like a band guy. I right. kinda like the the team feel of a band, but when we started doing the Charlie Bonnet solo stuff, the first studio CD I did was called Household Name, and it was with a studio session band, and that was cool. And then uh, I got a live band to start playing that that music, and you know, there's a little learning curve. You know, I don't really like feeling like the boss. You know, like I like everybody to feel a vested interest in the music and not just being a player. So it took a few a few different lineup changes to arrive at what we got now with the folk and gas holes. And uh that's really it, man, you know. We're working on a new record now actually. Oh, cool. Well, that was one of my questions. And again, so Sinner with a song comes out, Tracy Guns is on the album. He he mixes it and masters it with you. And yes. to me, that EP, I guess I'd call it, Sinner with a Song, it, is it safe to say it maybe had a little heavier, harder edge than some of the previous solo albums that you'd released? Yeah, it's it's a thing to where I just let the songs kind of write themselves. You know, I never set out to come up with a certain type of song. They kind of just fall out of thin air to me, you know. Like, right. I did a... Another EP prior to Center with a Song, and I used Big Smo's producer on that, so it doesn't even have a band on it. It's got like pre, 
pre-programmed rhythm like drum tracks and we did some videos for that but that wasn't like my sound i was going for it was kind of like a project so each each charlie bonnet record has had a different flavor to it you know up until this point but with the center cd i knew that i wanted it to be just like 70s rock you know and tracy's into a lot of 70s type music too he's he's really into Led Zeppelin and bands like that. So, you know, I wanted to put some B3 organ on it. He did that. And, you know, we just kind of made it sound like an amplified version of Bob Seger or something, but right on. on steroids. Right on. Yeah, it's a great listen. Again, we're talking about the Sinner with a Song EP, and it came out uh, back in 2017. You're working on new music now it sounds like are you in the studio recording your songwriting what, what stage of the process are you at at this point well i hate to just keep putting out eps but uh we're about to put out another ep called make rock and roll great again it's five studio songs and uh, it's got four live tracks on it and the reason why it's an ep is the lineup that i had on that recording kind of fell apart before we could finish a full-length record okay so it's done i'm kind of waiting until the summer to try to get that printed up whenever the gig schedule gets a little more busier we're kind of a seasonal band and when the warm weather is is really happening you know we're playing bike rallies and that kind of thing so i'm hoping to have that new cd printed up in the next couple of months and then we're actually seven songs deep into the next recording. Wow. <laughs> After that, with my current version of the gas holes. Right. So it's an ongoing thing. We've got a friend in town, and when we get a song, we go cut it at his studio, and kind of like a piecemeal kind of project. Cool, cool. So you got Rocklahoma coming up in just a few days. That should be yeah. pretty epic. What What's happening after that, touring-wise? Are you back out in the road? You got anything planned? Yeah, after Rocklahoma, we're going to kind of reconfigure everything. I got a different bass player coming in. The bass player that you saw us with, with Enough's Enough, he's my disarray guy. And unfortunately, well, fortunately for him, he's got a really good career outside of music and music is a hobby for him right on so i've got a another guy coming in to play out a lot of the summer shows and we got a lot of bike rallies and stuff coming some festivals we're playing west virginia we're playing illinois indiana pennsylvania that kind of thing and then we're going back out with junkyard the band junkyard the first week of august i know we're going to do like a private event with them up in massachusetts and hopefully do a couple of bar gigs or whatnot in your neck of the woods while we're up there. Awesome. Well, yeah, that'd be you great. Know, Keep so, me posted on that. I love Junkyard. Yeah, Junkyard, man, they're, they're so awesome. They're so fun. That You know, they, they had that album not too long ago, like, what, two years ago or something? I forget the name of the album, but it was really good. It was really good. Yeah, the High Water album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah, I'd love to see you guys with Junkyard, so definitely keep me posted on that. We're uh, we're really compatible. We did a three-show run with them earlier in the year. We played North Carolina and South Carolina and Atlanta, Georgia. And those guys were just so cool, man. Great band, very compatible with what we do. 
So, you know, it's, it's a good fit. Awesome. Awesome. And before I let you go, I just wanted to go through some of the collaborations you've had through the years, because I'm, I'm curious about who and, and what they, and what they were for, because I, I read it on your website. You've collaborated with members. Let's start with, with kiss. What members of kiss have you collaborated with? And that would be Bruce. Bruce. Cooley. Right. Okay. Bruce you, you said played that guitar. Already. Yeah. He played on a song called friends of all kinds on a Mox and, Mox Creek, and Creek EP in 2013. Okay. Cool. Alice Cooper band. That would be Kerry Kelly. All right, yeah, He, he uh, played on a Led Zeppelin tribute album, and I was part of the band for that. Also through the same guy, Jake Brown, that introduced me to Tracy Guns. He coordinated all that. Very cool. Testament. That would be Glenn Alvelias, who was also the guitar player in Forbidden. Right. Back in the day, and he played on a song from Moxon Creek called Southern Renegade. Oh, cool. Megadeth. That would be Chris Poland. Chris Poland, <laughs> sure. Yeah, Chris Poland. He he played on a Moxon Creek track as well. Like, we would try to get, like, one or two star power people to lay a lead down or whatever, just so we could grab a blabbermouth headline or something yeah, like that. sure. You know? Right on. And Grand Funk Railroad? That would be Bruce Kulick as well. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Forgot, forgot yeah, Bruce, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and Exodus. What about Exodus? That would be my best friend, Steve Souza. Ah, okay. I, uh, got, yeah, yeah, I got to uh, become really good friends with Zetro. I used to go out and hang out at his house and stay with him. And I was kind of co-managing and doing publicity for his band, Hatriot. I remember them, yeah. Yeah, when they first took the scene around 2013. So I got to be on backup vocals on the first Hatred album, and it was really cool. It was gang shouts, and there was members of Machine Head and all these guys all gathered around a mic, and I'm right in there with them. So that's the uh, Heroes of Origin album from Hatred. And what's really cool is I actually got my name in the credits of the last Exodus album. I was ah, really Oh, nice. I was fanboying on that. Yeah. it's <laughs> awesome. That's you know, because the thing is, it's like where I was brought up in Tennessee, I mean, it's, it's not exactly the breeding ground for famous rock musicians. So for me, as a grown adult, like I'm tripping out to know, know these people, much less collaborate with them. Right on, right on. Cool. We're totally excited. You got new music coming and more gigs Hopefully some in the Northeast with Junkyard. That sounds amazing. Please keep me posted on that. And have a great set out at uh, Rocklahoma. What what Thanks, day are man. you guys playing? Do you know? We're playing on Saturday. I think we got a really early set. We're on at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon in the beaten heat. But you know what? We're just happy to be there. Happy to be on the poster. Happy to be a part of the lineup. Awesome. So we're Saturday on the second stage, I think from 110 to 140 is our set time. And Charlie, can you let the listeners know where the best place to reach you online is? Uh, you can type in Charlie Bonnet the Third on Facebook, and I got two or three pages on there, a personal page and a couple of music pages. Or you can go to charliebonnet3.com. That's the number three. charliebonnet3.com. That's my official website and i got my web store and calendar and all that up and email me and i'll write you back 
Right on. And to take us out here, we're going to hear a song that I just love. This is called Waiting on Time. It's off the Sinner with a Song EP, which came out back in 2017 by Charlie yep. Bonnet III. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate all the listeners taking the time to listen to me run my mouth. <laughs> all right, man.
All right, guys, we are going to hit a couple requests, or at least one request. What do I got here? I got um, going out to Jason on Patreon, one of our patrons. Jason, this goes out to you, and uh, yeah, thank you for all your support, man. This is called Like the Oar Strikes the Water by Grand Magus. to Jason Seth here on Talking Metal. Thank you, Jason. And to take us out, let's go back to 2005. This is Run Home by Priestess, and that'll be the last song of the episode. I want to thank all the patrons, and I encourage all you guys to join us on Patreon with a monthly pledge. Five bucks a month, you get a t-shirt sent out. You get all sorts of other stuff like exclusive First looks at a lot of our videos. You get you get exclusive videos. There's pictures that go up. All sorts of fun stuff. So please check us out on Patreon. We have some great discussion going on there too. If you don't want to do the monthly pledge, you can also just do a one-time pledge by using PayPal. Those links are in the support section on my website. 
My website is talkingrock.net. Okay, so check it out and please use the Amazon links too. Uh, if you live in the UK, somebody over there in the UK is using my Amazon links. I appreciate that. Or you live in the United States or you live in Canada. There are separate Amazon links on my site for all those places. And you just click through to Amazon and go about your shopping as you normally would. No markup, nothing like that. Okay. And then lastly, you can buy a hoodie sweatshirt. It's a pullover for 50 bucks. Let me know. 50 bucks. Great way to support the show. They look great. I, I wear one myself. My son wears one. They're, they're very comfortable, very high quality. Uh, or T-shirts are just $20, okay? So let me know, guys. You can hit me up uh, on PayPal for, for those purchases. All right, we'll talk to you next time. As always, I always am just so, th- so uh, grateful for all the support you give us. And yeah, man, it's been, uh, my personal life has been a little crazy working retail again for the first time in decades. Not exactly happy to be back working retail, but I'm trying to make the best of it and still glad that I have this this outlet and this podcast and you listeners uh, being with me here. Okay, so this is Run Home by Priestess from 2005.